the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello and welcome everyone to our worldwide audience for another episode of the Rescuers Radio Show. Heard every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360 and faithtalk1360.com. Please go to the Rescuers Radio Show uh, website at uh, rescuersradioshow.org where you can hear all of the uh, past shows. I think we're up around 185 right now. And um, this is a, a listener-supported uh, program, so anyone that wants to check that out, that's on the website as well. You'll just find it, and it'll walk you through it. So, uh, longtime friend, I've been looking forward to this interview, Kevin Youngblood, CEO for A for Arizona, Welcome. It's a pleasure to be with you, my friend. <laughs> I assume you're down near the end of the alphabet with Y is young blood, or you've run out of candidates. That's why you got me on here. But uh, no, I'm honored. I really am. I didn't think he'd figure that out. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure to know you all these years, my friend. Oh, I know. We've, we've done a lot of things together, and uh, I've seen you in action a lot. So, um, Kevin, uh, we've. Um, We've known each other, as we were just talking, uh, a long time. But I'd like for you to start, go back, and take a few minutes to tell us uh, your backstory. How did you get to this point in your life? And we'll go for there, from there. Sounds great. Thank you. I grew up in Appalachia, uh, northeast Georgia. Trace our family back to 1739. Uh, I come from a long line of either ministers or crooks. And... Uh, <laughs> But uh, my grandfather was a pastor, and then my dad was a pastor for 54 years. And so everybody just assumed that that's what I was going to do, uh, was go in the family business. Uh, but I found my calling art in teaching and coaching. Yeah. And uh, it played out in business. Uh, it played out in, um, uh, first off, in K-12 education, being a history teacher, and then started working with students who were in alternative education who were dropping through the crack and just kept thinking there's got to be a better way. Mm -hmm. uh, these kids were really gifted. They were good at things that we weren't measuring. And the things we were measuring, they weren't necessarily good at. <laughs> and so I just thought, uh, what if we created an idea and uh, that became the product Odyssey Wear, uh, where kids could log onto a computer and, and uh, receive instruction and help them get over those gaps. Nice. Uh, so I did that. I uh, served a stint in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, thank you very over, much for your uh, service. Thank yeah. you. Over in Desert Storm with the 2nd Marine Division. 
Uh, and then um, uh, built the company, and after 15 years, uh, we sold it uh, to a venture fund. Uh, and then uh, for the last seven years, I've been giving back to the Phoenix community, uh, first at the ASU Center for Entrepreneurship. Oh, yeah. What a great uh, and thing. And then over at Canyon Ventures at uh, Grand Canyon University, uh, just trying to give back to other startups and give them hope. Uh, one of the things I try to do, Art, is after I spend some time with a founder, I'll tell them I have three or four ways that work, and I have about 200 ways that don't work. And uh, after interacting with me, I hope they walk away thinking, man, if that guy can do it, surely I've got a chance, you know. So uh, I hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I can identify. So um, and that the, it was in Texas where you – uh, you uh, leashed, unleashed the um, the software, right? We started in Texas, and then in 2005, six somewhere in that time frame, we moved to Phoenix. Okay. And uh, we found some real good developers out here and some real good talent and a uh, real good group that I was part of. And so we moved it to Phoenix, and so I've been a resident. I think it was 06. Yeah. So, um, y- you know, what, what does A for Arizona stand for? Good. To give us a background how it started, where it is, what it is. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, so A for Arizona was actually launched out under the Chamber of Commerce years ago as a way to help uh, schools and the business community come closer together. You know, businesses have a have a vested interest in us having good schools yeah. uh, because to recruit the talent that they need, we need good schools. So obviously there's a rating for schools. There's an A rating, B rating, all the way down to F rating. And so the goal is is to try to get every school at an A level or on their way to being at an A level, and thus the name A for Arizona. Good. And uh, it, it's being welcomed absolute, I think. It's, it's We've had great success. Yeah. Uh, and I'm building on a – I probably ought to take a minute and just talk about yeah, please. Uh, the foundation. We're not bound was, by the uh, clock yet. Was, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'll uh, let you know. So the original founder was Lisa Keegan Graham. And uh, she was one of the key stars in Arizona. She served as superintendent of public instruction uh, as well as uh, in the legislature, I think, just doing great things. And then uh, she turned the reins over to Emily Ann Gullickson, uh, who uh, ran the organization for the last uh, seven, eight years. And uh, it was Emily Ann uh, that I have sort of served as a mentor and a coach, if you will, from time to time. Uh, she called me up in July, and she just said, uh, hey, I need to meet you for lunch. And I was like, well, it's going to be kind of hard to do. I'm heading out the door <laughs> for the whole month of July yeah. to be with our granddaughter and everything. And she was like, well, i got to meet with you. And she said, I'll, I'll meet you at midnight at Waffle House. <laughs> and I, that let me know she was serious, you know. And uh, so, uh, so we met. And she said, uh, look, I just took this job as the Deputy Secretary of Education for the state of Virginia under Governor Yunkin, and I'm leaving in about 10 days. Wow. Uh, would you ever consider being CEO? And so that started our conversation. We talked to the board, and the more we thought about it and prayed about it, it was just um, a convergence and an alignment for us to get back involved with K-12 education and uh, here to make a difference uh, in this next season of life. Yeah. Um, I'm in a group called Ambassadors of Compassion. We should talk about this uh, one of these days after the show but um has a lot of people that you you know involved in that but um 
you know, there's another thing uh, that you you operate or are a spokesman for, uh, president of Great Leaders Strong Schools. What is that? Yeah, Great Leaders Strong Schools is a C4, a 501C4, and basically it does lobbying, legislation, things like that uh, down at the Arizona legislature to empower our mission. Uh, it is totally separate. Uh, we totally different board of directors and everything, but I'm the president of Great Leaders Strong Schools, which is the C4, but then I'm the CEO for A for Arizona, which is a 501C3, whose focus mainly are, our mission statement is this, every child in Arizona deserves the opportunity and access to a quality education. Awesome. And we're committed to that. You know, there's 1.15 million students in our state in K-12. Yeah. And uh, many of them are spread out through Christian schools, parochial schools, homeschool, uh, uh, charter schools, uh, and then uh, school districts. And we're committed to every child in this state deserves opportunity and access. And so everything we do is looked at through that lens. Yeah. Overall, if you were asked the question, like, what is the state of education in Arizona? Uh, it depends on, on who you ask. On a meter of whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would just say we can do better. Yeah. We can definitely do I better. Yeah. Now, a lot of people, you know, will talk about Arizona being state 48, you know, as yeah. in that was that we're the 48th state of the union. Regrettably, that also speaks to where a lot of people view Arizona in the, in the level of our education, that we're state 48. And uh, a running joke is, thank God for Mississippi, you know, but... <laughs> Uh, we we believe we can do better, yeah. and it all comes down to access and opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and and there's a variety of things that go into that. Yeah. Uh, number one, you have to have innovation. A lot of people want to talk about innovation, yeah. but they don't really know what innovation looks like. They're not practicing it. Uh, the second thing is you got to focus on good instruction. You got to have a, a good pipeline of teachers that feel empowered and innovative and can do a variety of things to reach the student population that they're called to serve. A third component is curriculum. You've got to have a consistency. One of the sad things is uh, uh, world history in, in one segment of the population is not the same uh, course that's taught in another uh, segment of the population. Yeah. And with technology today, there's no reason for that because you may have a subject matter expert down in Benson, Arizona, who is, let's say he, this person is, a, is an expert on the copper industry. They've got artifacts. They've got historical things. They, maybe their family grew up in that industry. Well, copper is a big part of the story of Arizona, Huge. going yeah. way back to the old days. Yeah. So with technology and with innovation, why can't we take that instructor and put them in front of every child in the state wow. and make that accessible? So, you know, technology is a, is a poor substitute for a teacher. Yeah. But if you can marry up cutting-edge technology with sound educational pedagogy, you can do some pretty neat things. Yeah. And we just got to do better. And I think we can. Yeah, good. Um, so you were well, well prepared uh, for, uh, for A for Arizona. Uh, your background prepared you, I think, um, through the, your background with education beginning the launching of Calvary Christian School in Carl, Georgia, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. First job, first job out of college. Uh, my dad was a pastor, and he said, uh, son, I think we need a Christian school at our church. And I was like, well, that'd be a great idea. What do you think it ought to look like when we started talking? And I said, well, man, we ought to find somebody to run that. And he was like, 
I think you're the guy. <laughs> so uh, anyway, it was an incredible journey. You've probably heard that a lot through your life. Oh, my You're goodness. the guy. <laughs> you're the guy. Yeah. So um, and a little larger uh, at Grand Canyon University, uh, you were a, a great hand and a great help in launching uh, the Ventures Program Innovation. So talk about that. That that that's a. I'm, I don't know if if any other universities have this, but this is awesome. Well, thank you for all manufacturing. It up. Yeah, everything. Yeah, thank you for opening up that opportunity, yeah. uh, Art. Uh, you know, a lot of people talk about innovation, as I, mom- I mentioned a moment ago. And then uh, Randy Gibb, who was the dean of the business school at the time, now he's the provost at Grand Canyon University. Uh, we had a conversation, and he was just like. Uh, we want to do an innovation center, and uh, we called it. They called it Canyon Ventures, uh, and they hired a full-time director, Robert Vera, an incredible entrepreneur oh, yeah. in his own right really well. and a great leader. Yeah. And uh, and so the theory was, can we draw founders out of the West Valley who would want to come into this space? And the innovative thing that Grand Canyon was willing to do was to give them free space. If they went through an, an application process and if they proved that they had a, a you know, there was a there there, then uh, they would pass this process, give them free space, surround them with some assistance and help, which is where I tried to come in and do some coaching and things as an entrepreneur in, in residence there. And there was a lot of other support. The exchange that Grand Canyon asked for is, would they hire students? And I think it's in one of the most incredible <laughs> teaching learning environments ever because students learn a lot about business in the classroom, but then they come over and they work in a Canyon Ventures space where they actually are hands-on. And, you know, Art, when I think back, I'm, I just turned 60 here a couple of weeks ago, a lot of the education I got in life occurred outside the classroom. Yeah where you just got your hand down in the the mud and the yeah. guts of something, and that's where you learned, you know, hands-on. Sounds like a Marine. Yeah, well, I, a little bit of that, too. <laughs> so, uh, But the, the the idea is that, you you know, and so these kids are learning. They're learning by doing, and I think, I think the story is yet to be told. Yeah. I think over the next 15 to 20 years, as those students who come out of there with a thorough basis of knowledge about business, being in the Colangelo College of Business, and then with the mentorship and all the support things that they put around them, and then having worked in the Canyon Ventures in these actual enterprises that are uh, for-profit, I think there's going to be leaders that come out of that over the next 15 to 20 years that are going to have an incredible level of confidence yeah. in what they're doing because of the experiences that they were put through there. I was blessed to be able to walk through the, the center a couple of times. And these to say that they're just manufacturing or setting up businesses doesn't even touch what they're it's much larger some of these some of these uh inventions are being sent around the world and in other states for sure and uh from i don't know t-shirts with logos or big hats big sports hats or um it's just amazing and they're they're all ideas. It's an idea factory, is what it is, right? Yeah, and yeah. then they bring that to fruition yeah. into a manufacturing, and off they go with the business. Well, every major idea, every innovation starts with what's the problem? Yeah, what's the core problem you're trying to solve? And to be honest with you, in all my years, most founders don't really understand the problem they're trying to solve. Oh. 
And only after you dig and you yeah. try different theories and you test and, and you get accustomed to failing at trying to find it out, can you really land on what's the core problem you're trying to solve? And then that leads into a couple other things to really let you know if you have an innovative idea. Yeah. And so that's the purpose of the Canyon Ventures is to flesh out, uh, do we have an idea? Do we have a problem we're trying to solve? Can we solve that problem? Can we scale this thing? So, yeah. Yeah. It's an incredible place. Um, innovation, uh, exclamation point about 10 times. <laughs> it's it's really great. Um I'm going to take a moment and with a note for our audience. If you're late coming into this episode of Rescuers Radio Show, our guest is Kevin Youngblood, CEO of A for Arizona. So um, we've, we're talking all about that theme, the A for Arizona. Um, and and you, you have some strategic partnerships working with you in this. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. The, the organization's been around. It's got a great reputation. Uh, in the last few years, uh, significant resources uh, were funneled to schools and uh, where A for Arizona served as the grant administrator, worked directly with those schools. We put vetting committees together. People made applications. And one of the key areas was in the area of transportation. You know, we've got to come up with a solution yeah. about the old yellow school bus. You know, if we're going to help kids, if, if a student doesn't have access, they don't have opportunity. Yeah. So we've got to figure that out. And so there's a, about 47 different science experiments that we've engaged around the state. And over the next few years, we're going to be gathering what are the findings from those science experiments? What are the things that are replicatable in other uh, geographies? What are things that don't work? You know, one of the one of the challenges is if I can riff just for a second, Art. One of the great we have challenges, another ten minutes. I love it. <laughs> one of the great challenges is people are not used to failure. In fact, a lot of people try to avoid failure. Yeah. The whole idea of innovation is let's fail fast. If if you've got an idea that's not going to work, let's not take five years and try to figure that out. Let's yeah. see if we can't figure it out in five days. You know. So with these science experiments that the state of Arizona has done in gifting out these awards of innovation is to find out what's working, what's not working, what needs tweaking. Mm -hmm. And we should be able to bring back some very exciting ideas over the next three to five years that can then turn into policies for the state of Arizona. Uh, you know, the state of Arizona is a very large geography. Yeah. There are children being educated in far reaches. I met with some students up in Chinle, Arizona here just a couple of weeks ago. They have to drive 17 miles one way to get to the school bus. Wow. That they're then on the school bus, school bus for an hour and a half. One way to go to school. Oh, my God. And so, you know. So that would be all the way to Window Rock, probably. It's, probably. It's, right. Let me just tell you, it's not the end of the world, but you can see it on a clear night. Yeah. You know. <laughs> And it's way out there, but that's yeah. that's our that's the mission of our state wow. is educate every child, and that means giving them access yeah. and opportunity. And, and and every every type of student around the state. Every type of student. Yeah, yeah, that's a big deal uh, to to put, get your arms around all of that. So, um, what brought you here was the creation of uh, Odyssey Wear, correctly? That's correct. And that 
is is it now still in all of the schools? It is. It, it's actually been bought again. Oh, you know okay. how these things work. Yeah, you sell yeah. it to a venture fund, and then they yeah. sell it to another entity. But yeah. uh, uh, it is very actively being used in schools. Uh, uh, you know, in a variety of different settings: credit recovery, credit accrual, uh, core classes. Uh, but uh, you know, its mission its mission still still lives on. And the, the, what we have to do is we have to look at technology not as a one-size-fits-all or a solution for everybody. I think COVID really pointed out, you know, we had, a lot of schools had to go to use of technology to deliver education. Yeah. And what we discovered was not everybody was ready for that. Yeah. And we also discovered that not everybody was doing it well, yeah. you know. It's sort of like Warren Buffett says. He says, when the tide goes out, you find out who's been skinny dipping. And so when COVID happened, we realized that uh, not not all of our not all of our schools, private, public, charter, whatever, were really set up to deploy technology in the right ways. And so it's really pointed out some learning gaps, some loss of uh, learning that we need to address and we can do better. And and Arizona is a very innovative state. We're not afraid to try things. I mean, we're not afraid to try new technologies and things and they don't always work out, but we learn something. And if we learn something, then it was not a mistake. Yeah. There's uh, some uh, surveys that have been done on just on general uh, school systems Um, after the pandemic, during the pandemic, uh, everything was hyped uh, from addictions to suicide levels to a lot of other things that were just weren't very pleasant to, to know about. And and even now, uh, some of those w- are having to be dealt with in, within the school systems, right? That's right. There yeah. will be there will be lingering effects throughout yeah. the system over yeah. the next decades until uh, and, but again, we have the resources, we have people that are committed to it, and we can be innovative. I have a lot of confidence in this state. We, we are at the head of the class when, it talk, when we talk about innovation across the country. I agree. Yeah. Other states come here to study yeah. what Arizona is doing and has done, and we just have to lean into that. Yeah, great. Uh, well, the, they need uh, more of you. <laughs> well, I'm, can, I, can you make yourself about two more of you? No, no, no. It's, <laughs> you know, this this is a great season, Art. It really is. It's an honor to be asked to serve in this role by the board of directors and to serve. And, and one of the first things I did was hit the road, get out there and start talking to superintendents. You know, the key to solving the problems are not going to be solved in a in a tower somewhere right. in Phoenix. Yeah. They're going to be solved out there where, where the rubber meets the road. Yes. And the, the, our teachers, administrators, uh, charter school holders, uh, micro school leaders, all of those people have a piece of the puzzle. And that we bring those ideas together, we can strike lightning in a bottle. Yeah, and and you've worked all all the way through. I mean, you were uh, K K through twelve, right? Um, and and working with all levels of of schools, uh, public. Uh, charter, you you just rattled off the Homes, whole homeschool. It's, it's all so my my wife, for example, homeschooled our three kids. You know, when you got one of the smartest math teachers in the entire state living in your house, use it. You know, you can you make her. You know, she 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 did an incredible job wow. uh, homeschooling our kids. That's great. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So uh, and homeschool 
still thrives. It is. Right? It is. In a lot now, of places. You know, it's just like no one option is right for everybody. Yeah. You know, not everybody should be homeschooling uh, by their own admission. But I'm telling you, there's some really neat be- things being done in the homeschool community and things we can learn that affect other areas uh, of the educational space. There are some really innovative things being done in our charter schools, serving populations of students. And then some of our school districts are doing incredible. I've had the privilege of meeting some uh, some uh, entrepreneurially minded superintendents yeah. that are doing things off the charts that uh, the nation needs to know about. So let's talk about charter schools. It, it always comes up in conversations. Is it, it, some some say it's an untouchable or touchable. Uh, tell me, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, it's an educational option. Yeah. It is something that, that a lot of parents respond to. In Arizona, it was one of the first, going back to the early 90s, uh, for the legislature to have that kind of a vision yeah. to set that out. And I think it's made made every school better because of competition. Free market competition is not to be avoided. Yeah. It's something we should welcome. Uh, so now there's the entrance of the concept of a micro school. You know, and of course, the little Christian school that I started back in 1985, it was a micro school, you know, 35, 40 students. So, uh, but there's things you can do with a smaller student-teacher ratio where you can test some things. You can try some things. You can have that more personal connection and stuff that might or might not work, but you got to test it. you got to try these things. And we've even got some superintendents that are looking at launching micro schools and using some of that, that ideas to help serve the population of students that they're called yeah. to serve. We're in our last minute, and this is this has been fun, right? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity. Say, uh, uh, Kevin Blood, uh, uh, Kevin Youngblood, you and A for Arizona are rescuers, and thank you for being on the show today. God bless. Thank you, my friend, for the opportunity. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.